Good morning, afternoon, or night, whenever you decide to roll out of bed, we're your hosts, Kristen Hoyles and Sarah Yako. And welcome to our podcast, Waking Up with Millennials. This week, Kristen sits down with Megan Gunn. She's a recruitment and outreach specialist at Purdue University in Indiana for the Department of Forestry and Natural Resources. So Kristen, in your interview with Megan, what about your conversation with her do you think our listeners will be most intrigued by? I think what's so interesting about talking to Megan, which is something that still blows my mind to this day, is is that she's even doing this. I think what I love about Megan is that I never would have thought that she would have gone into a career like this and working in aquatic sciences. What I love about it is she knows everyone in her life is like, what you do, what now? Being a Black woman in aquatic sciences, that is, you don't see that. She Mm -hmm. is the only Black woman in the room most of the time or out in the field. And she is, with her projects that she is working on, like the Familiar Faces Project, she is trying to recruit people of color, women of color, people from marginalized groups to join this field because it's, because it's so in, has been so enriching for her own life. Our listeners of this podcast will take away from it to explore different avenues and to allow your interests to really guide you and to let go of what some of those societal expectations are. Megan is truly a trailblazer in her field, and I applaud her. Let's dive into the interview with Megan. So let's maybe start with who you are, what do you do, (laughs) who are you? Yeah, I am Megan Gunn. Who am I? That's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, you know, still trying to figure it out. Ever evolving, I guess, is the best term to use right now. Always growing. I work at a university. I work at Purdue University as a recruitment and outreach specialist in our Department of Forestry and Natural Resources. And so what that entails is a whole bunch of getting kids excited about nature, going into schools and talking about natural resources and doing hands-on activities, telling them about careers in natural resources and how they can get to those careers through our program, but just a whole lot of exposure, really, and lots of Lots of hands on things because you don't know what's going to to spark your interest until you do it. Somebody talking at you is one thing, but you actually physically doing it is a whole nother thing. So with you going in and like working with students and recruiting kids to join your program, what sort of resources were available to you when you were younger? that sparked your interest in natural resources and sparked your interest in nature in general? So I think as far as resources go, having like Michigan right there in in Northwest Indiana was a a huge resource, figuratively and literally. So I, I, I do remember going on science field trips and going on summer school, like in the, the science camps, instead of doing the like the remedial classes, I feel like that's a terrible word, but like having to retake classes, I didn't do that. I was, I went on the science field trips and we would go to the dunes and we would go to Lake Michigan and we would do all this stuff. And that was a big part of it. But growing up, I had family on each coast. So we would always be by the water. 
just being outside was always my jam. My dad used to take us fishing or attempt to take us fishing when we were younger. And there's a, a picture that I saw recently of little Megan. I, I was probably like four years old holding, holding probably my first Aww. fish. I was like, huh, that's probably, that's, that's probably where it started. But I just, I didn't always like this type of stuff. I went through a phase and I actually like not blocked it out, but kind of forgot about it. I went through a phase where I was like a girly girl. I was into cheerleading, um, but I was also an athlete and I just didn't want to do dirty stuff. Mm. I mean, ran track and field, not run. <laughs> I didn't run. I was in track and field. I threw shot putting discus and we ran for that, but I didn't do like, I didn't like the dirty things. I didn't like being outside anymore unless it was to do that. This may be a little bit of a tangent, but did your dislike of getting dirty and doing anything that got you sweaty, did it have anything to do with your hair? For me, I think so. Mm -hmm. For me, it definitely was where it was just like, if I just got my hair done, it's like, okay, avoid all physical activity. I well, don't. okay. Yeah. It, maybe. Yeah. Probably. Okay. At, at one point. Because, you know, when you when you get it pressed, that's it. You It will last as long as you're not sweating. You're not running under. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. I don't think about just, that a lot later. Yeah, I just felt like when I went natural, the whole world just sort of opened up to me. Yes. I, like, I can be outside in the rain and not freak out. This is mm-hmm. awesome. So. Yeah, the relaxer helped because, I mean, I swam yeah. in high school, and so I didn't really have to worry too much about that. But yeah, I do think that I felt a lot freer once I stopped having to worry about my hair just <laughs> once the, <laughs> any type of moisture hit it. Because mm-hmm. it, it can be like, you can go through a humid room and then the curls will just, whoop. oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, now, now I don't worry about that. Now it's just, oh, now they look better than they did yeah. before I walked through this space. <laughs> so funny. I never thought about that. Okay. That sorry. To get back on track. So when you were in middle school and high school and you're going on these summer trips, did you ever picture yourself doing that long-term at that time? Or was it just sort of something you did as a hobby? Okay, so that was like, that was middle school. And I had had no, like, you know, we were thinking about careers because that's what they, what are you guys going to do when you grow up? Yeah. Well, these are the people around me and I'm going to do these things. My dad was a pharmacist, so I wanted to be a pharmacist. My cousin did hair, so I wanted to do hair. My mom did a lot of things, so I wanted to do what she did, I guess is what I'm doing right now. I do all the things right now. I'm trying to show kids more opportunities so that they can see things that are available to them. I kind of blocked all that out. I, Upon graduating college, I wanted to go into forensic pathology, but I only wanted to do that because I had watched a lot of CSI and a lot of crime shows and was like, oh, I can help save the world by doing some of this cool stuff. And at that point, I thought I wasn't a people person. So I'm like, I could be in a morgue all day and talk to myself and like record all these things and it'll be fine. But that is, that is clearly not where I ended up. So my aunt died right as we were graduating, like right, right before graduation in May-ish. I'm sorry. I think. I know that. It, yeah. So that, that kind of just, it's, it sparked a new path for me. And I was like, Oh, I actually don't like going into hospitals. I don't like death. I don't like weird smells, which is, hospitals in general. 
I don't like sadness. I didn't I didn't like the things that came along with being a forensic pathologist. And so I was like, what else can I do? And I I was going to Purdue, was going pre-med and was like, well, now is the time to figure out what the heck you want to do, girl. And so I had an advisor my freshman year that had me write this list of all the things that I wanted to do and the things that I didn't want to do. And on the top of my love to do list was being outside and being in nature and being in water. Um, He told me about this marine biology class that they had in the Department of Forestry and Natural Resources. I took this marine biology class. It was the it was the first semester this professor was teaching this course at Purdue. And he was from South Carolina, wanted to see if he can take students down down to his old stomping grounds and make it like a part of the class. And so I was like, sign me up. And I will never forget that trip, especially like I had that moment that was like, this is it. And I'll never forget it. I was in baby blue waders. It was raining. I mean, we were using this thing called a cast net. And if it works properly, it'll open up in like a a big old circle. When you throw it, it's got lead around the edge, lead weights around the edges, and it'll drop down. And anything that's in that middle section, you pull it up, and that's what you catch. And so I was not doing it right multiple times. It was like half mooning and just not mooning at all. It was just dropping. Um, and I finally got it open enough to get like a little squid or a crab. I was like, this is what I want to do. And so after that, I went back to campus and did literally everything I can get involved in to get me on a path of marine biology. And so that that was my goal after that. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I decided I wanted to open ocean work. And so I joined the research lab. I did I did a lot of research during undergrad. And originally as a biology major, like all we saw research as being was cleaning glass jars and cleaning equipment. I was like, I don't want to do that. And this opportunity, like I started doing a research project right off bat. And I was looking at how different fish were impacted by different sediment loads. But you could see like their whole their whole livelihood was changing. And that I mean that that's humans too, right? The more pollution you put in the air, the harder it is to breathe and the harder it is to to do anything because that that impacts your whole body. But I did this research. I I went to Costa Rica on a research trip. I started being a teaching assistant for that marine biology trip. And so we went back to South Carolina a few times. I was able to be a teaching assistant for the Costa Rica trip. Went back there a few times. What started off as a, I told my parents, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I need to go to Costa Rica. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I went three times. So <laughs> the first time they helped me with it. And then the other two times, I scrambled up some money. And then the last time I went, the students paid for it because I was a teaching assistant. So that was that was definitely a blessing. But it was like, it just completely changed what I was doing. I, I was helping graduate students with their research projects and learning more techniques and more skills and just figuring out what I wanted to do. I, I interned at Indianapolis Zoo and that was a lot of fun. I worked with the penguins, which I loved and hated. They're, they're mean little birds. <laughs> they are, they're very pokey. They're very sharp. Um, but then they also love you like like dogs do. Like they they want to be your friend. And then the cow nose rays. These what is that? I'm sorry. What is that? Cow nose rays. Yeah. They have a stingray. Oh, okay. Um, and they their face, like the the front of their face, is like a cow's nose. It's kind of oh. indented like that. Okay. They're okay. cute. Mm-hmm. They can get massive. It but, sounds like you like really hit the ground running. The second yeah. you had sort of that epiphany when you're on your trip. I did. I did. Yeah. So 
thinking back in high school, do you think that there was anything that could have happened differently in your journey in order to sort of figure out that epiphany sooner on? Or was it just a matter of experience? I think that I should have gone and shadowed somebody in a morgue in high school. Mm -hmm. I should have gone to the backside of a funeral home. We had a lot of deaths growing up, which is, I don't know why I thought that that was going to be the thing for me. I don't like it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I had never seen that side of it. So I always encourage kids and youth and anybody that's wanting to do something, go and talk to the people that are doing it or go go shadow them, which is even better because you get to see that yourself. Had I had that experience in high school, I would have gone, I would have figured something out a little bit sooner. I love those biology classes and anatomy and I did really, really well in them. I really enjoyed them, but I don't know why I didn't think that that was, well, that was still part of it. I'm doing the same thing with fish and just not people. Mm. People blood, even my own blood, it makes me very squeamish. And I about passed out every time I like prick a finger. And you were thinking about going to <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I wasn't as squeamish back then. Okay. okay I, have, yeah. I have developed this. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, but like animals, fish, I have no problem. I could draw blood like that, like no issues mm-hmm. on a fish. Yeah. Yeah. I can do dissections, I can do necropsies. A lot of people, I want to say in our high school, I don't know if it was just the time period. I don't know if it's just because CSI was so big at the time. So many people wanted to go into forensics and wanted to like work at a morgue. Like Mm -hmm. that was, that was a big, I want to say at least 10 of my friends were thinking about going into forensics at the time. So I almost wonder if like pop culture had a, I think definitely pop culture. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was around the same time. Purdue added not a major, but more classes on forensics Mm, during that time. So, I mean, pop culture shapes everything, right? Yeah. (laughs) That definitely made a difference. But high school Megan would not have seen this Megan do this. And even like my best friend, Courtney. So, you know, Courtney. She's like, I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see you doing this. Like, I'm still doing it. For our listeners, me and Sarah actually went to go visit Megan on Purdue's campus to get an idea of like what she does. And even while we were there and we were looking at all these cool fish and like seeing all the different animals and what her life looks like, we're just like, I never would have thought, (laughs) never in a million years would I have thought that. And I just think stories like that and journeys like that are so cool when it's mm-hmm. the unexpected and it just really resonates with someone. I think, yeah. just think that's amazing. And there's like, there's no way to really know in high school what you're going to do for the rest of your life, right? We don't have enough experiences at that point to to definitively say, yeah, this is what I really want to do. There, yeah. We just don't. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it's a lot of, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. And it's a lot of, you want to be loved. You want to be admired. You want to be comfortable in terms Mm -hmm. of your money. (laughs) And those are the things that we're focused on as high school students. But then on the other hand, you also have those teachers that are just like, you can do whatever you put your mind to, which Mm -hmm. is really hard to sort of narrow like yeah. what our interests are and figure out what it is that we're going to do. So yeah. 
I also found a like a like a personality test as I was going through all of this stuff. And science was on the bottom of my list. And on the top of it was like being in the arts, like doing creative stuff like photography and and working in an office, which is all the complete opposite of what I do right now. Yeah. It's like, huh, that really change your life changes as you have new experiences. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think our our interests at that age are shaped by what we are allowed to have exposure to. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, growing up, I I played sports. I was in orchestra and, you know, my parents love music and my parents are both athletes. But, you know, thinking back on that, I was just like, my interest really lied in like musical theater. And I did mm-hmm. really love science and I never did any science programs in the summer mm-hmm. because, you know, you you only have so much access as a teenager with no money. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really hard to go out and, and figure out what all of your interests are without it being greatly influenced by teachers and by, by parents and by mm-hmm. your support system. Okay, stop. Sarah, did you think that those personality or intelligence tests actually aided you in finding your path or interests? No, I, I, do, I don't think that those tests really help guide you unless you understand where your inherent interests lie. So if for sure my test told me that I should go in a direction of of social work, you have to know yourself well enough to ask bigger questions than that. It's like, okay, why is this test thinking that I should go into social work? Probably because I like dealing with people and I want to help people. But in what ways then do I want to help people? And it wasn't through the process of being a social worker. It was through the process of design. And that was something that I needed to discover by actually just going down several wrong paths before I went down the right one. What about you? Did you find that any of those tests, personality or intelligence, helped you find your path of interest? No. And I'm trying to figure out ways in which they could be better. But for me, I was and continue to be such a people pleaser that whenever I would go through these tests, I feel like, all right, what do my parents want me to do? (laughs) What does my orchestra teacher want me to do? Like, and that is like, that is what, like, I would always have that mindset of like, how do people want me to answer these questions? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'll have the end result in mind of what I wanted to say. I would say growing up, middle school, high school, it was, I want to be a professor of music history. That was what I wanted to, (laughs) that is what I wanted to be. And so I would go into it and think, all right, how would a professor of music history answer these questions? And they weren't always true for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think sure a personality and intelligence test can maybe illuminate different areas that you may want to explore. But this idea that it sort of churns out these potential career fields for you to go in, it's just nonsense to me. I think it could sometimes push someone so far away from what they actually want to do that it can almost be disorienting. You have like an identity crisis. 
Because it's just like, but the personality test told me (laughs) I'm supposed to do. And so I discourage people from putting too much stock into tests like that. And I would just say, explore. What's wonderful in this day of age is our access to information. If you're interested in something, Google it, look into it, see what it looks like. Megan makes a great suggestion of just job shadowing people. Mm -hmm. I wish that there were more programs in high school where you can just go and job shadow people. Like there needs to be like, not just like a, like bring your child to work day, but it needs to be like, bring, (laughs) bring someone's child to work day. (laughs) Right. We don't even need the programs. We need to know that you can just email a professional person, yes. call a professional person. Yes. It's okay for you as a as a teenager trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your fucking life. It's okay for you to actually take that effort and that effort is is good. Like people like that. People yes. will remember you and that's like the beginning of you making connections. All we need to know is that it's okay to go ahead and take those bold steps to have those experiences in directions that you you find of interest. Part of that, again, is going back to this idea of access. And if you're living sort of far out in the middle of nowhere or you don't have public transportation available to you and you might want to shadow someone of a particular job that you don't have access to, that's where programs are really helpful. Yes. But if you are in a location where you can reach out to different industries, you should. And all we needed to know was that yes. you could just ask someone yes. <laughs> if you can shadow them. Also, companies really like it when young people are interested in their company because they actually do keep tabs on you and are interested in seeing how you develop and if you develop into a person of particular talent, you already have a shoe in to that company if you decide through your experiences that that's a direction you want to go. Now that we've cleared that up a little bit, let's jump back into the interview with Megan. So when you were transitioning into this new career path, in what ways did you feel supported, either by family or by the program that you were in? Like how... How did you feel supported during that time so that you knew that you were making a good decision for yourself? So my parents have always been the, whatever you do will support you in it. So that was, that was an easy sell for them. My mom doesn't always understand what I'm doing still. Um, even she, but I, I, I will always bring them to where I am to show them what I'm doing. So, I mean, when we were in orchestra, they would come to the, the contest They've always they've always been a part of the things, even when they don't understand. So I always do what I can to show them. When I interned at the zoo, they came down to the zoo and I took them behind the scenes and explained everything. And maybe that, now that I think about it, maybe that shapes why I like talking to people about what I do because I I want my family to understand what it is that I do. So I I do my best to explain to them in a way that they can understand because a lot of the things I do sometimes goes over my head, but like taking the behind the scenes when I, when I was at Moat Marine Laboratories in Florida, they came down there right before I finished my internship and showed them around there so they could see, see the sharks and see the stingrays and see the things that I was doing. I brought them to the lab before they like, they've seen, they've seen all the things. So 
they get it sometimes on a surface level, sometimes on a deeper level, but they're like, okay, this is what Megan does. My sister's a chef. It's a lot easier for them to grasp that because food, right? But the sciences are different. They're just, they're just different. I've always had support from my family. And even my sister one time went out in the field with me. And yeah, so that was a lot of fun. It was also a day where the boat broke down. And so, (laughs) okay, four (laughs) hours to walk upstream with a boat. Um, That is the time I learned that she is actually afraid of water, especially (laughs) where she cannot see anything. Uh So she was not very much help on that, except for (laughs) we have lots of video footage and a lot of of pictures from that day. But I had, had no idea, right? I've known her my entire life. And didn't know that she was afraid of water. We've she was a swimmer. We like weird. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just odd. But yeah, so I I didn't know. But but she wanted to learn more about what I did, so she came on. She came on this trip. And then as far as like support from the institution, I loved my classes. Oh, for the most part, I love I love the classes that were related to what I wanted to do. Right, genetics <laughs> not so much. Micro not so much. These fish biology classes, love them, all of them. The semester where I focused on my fish minor, I got the best GPA of my entire undergrad career. (laughs) Like it was, because I enjoyed all of it. It was a hard semester, but I enjoyed all of it. I had the support I needed to get to where I needed to be. I know that a lot of people don't have that experience in undergrad. I know that I'm only one person and I can only do what I can do, but I tried to be that resource to help other students find their ways to the university so that they can get the support that they need. So if you could give a piece of wisdom to someone younger than you, and I know you're working with students through Purdue, (laughs) so I'm sure you're dishing out wisdom all the time, but if you can give them a piece of advice in terms of navigating your 20s, finding a career, what is something that you would want them to know? Be patient. My career has actually fluctuated even in the last seven years. And I know that I am the oddball and kind of started my career right after undergrad. I did have a period right after graduation where I was like, okay, so what's next? And I did this internship and it was like, okay, well, grad school? People say I should go to grad school. I guess I'll go to grad school. Didn't get into grad school. People were still pushing grad. And people like, you know, the people around you, the the yeah. professors, my mom, my mom's got hella degrees and letters in the back of her name and I just okay my mom my mom has that so I guess that's what I should do and she's like oh you should do that but once I realized that that's not what Megan wanted okay well I'm gonna stop striving for that because that's not what I want it's not even what I need for what I want to do and so it really and I, I try to explain that like you don't have to get a master's or a PhD if you don't need that for your dream job don't waste your time. Don't waste your money if you don't need that for your job. Yeah, that's so important. I feel like, especially when you get to like your mid 20s and you're thinking, like, I need to do something a little bit more prestigious. I need to have those letters at the end of my name. I need that master's degree. I need a PhD in order for people to just know I'm smart, mm-hmm. which there are so many different avenues in order to sort of flex your intelligence in front of people if you need that. But going back to school for degrees that are working 
against you and not working yeah. service to you. There's really no, there's no point in doing that. But I do want to finish up our interview by asking you a question that we ask all of our guests. And that question is, what life do you dream of waking up to one day? I want to wake up to a day where I go out and I can go to a place and see more people that look like me and be more comfortable in those places, specifically in the outdoors, because everybody should be able to enjoy it. It's a, it's a wonderful place to be. It's not gross. It's not icky. Even if these kids don't go into these careers, just having more appreciation and more respect for the environment is only going to serve us all better in the long run. It's one thing to look around in the classroom and see that nobody looks like you. It's another thing to be in the middle of nowhere. People are crazy. And there's, there's no accountability. There's no repercussions. That makes me nervous. That makes me, that makes me very nervous to be in a place where people have no respect for other human beings based, solely based on the color of their skin, you know, Mm -hmm. solely based on their, their perceived gender. Mm -hmm. Everybody is just trying to live their lives. And it's just, I don't understand why people don't understand that. don't respect that. Okay. So, you know, like growing up, the kids are a future. But these these new age kids, these new age kids really are like they want a change. And if I can help be a part of that change, help show them new things, help show them the wonders of the world, then I want to be a part of that. So, Kristen, I'm going to pull out a quote of yours. In the interview with Megan, you said our interests are shaped by what we're allowed to have exposure to. I'm wondering if you were talking more about being guided more towards sports than towards music from your parents, or was your mention of allowed in relation to other things that place limitations on how you pursue a future career? So what I meant by that is we are, we are greatly shaped by the society around us. We are only exposed to certain career paths. You're shaped by the people around you. Just limitations from being in the bubble of your own community. It's Mm -hmm. not until we can get outside of that bubble and really explore our interests and question some of those interests that we can truly pursue what resonates with us. My interests are different from my parents. My participation in those interests are going to be dictated by what my parents are allowing me to do. So whether or not they wanted to take me to orchestra rehearsals, which they did every Sunday, or if they wanted me to be in tennis camps or volleyball camps, those were the things that we both agreed upon that I'm interested in it and they were willing to make the time for that. But I remember wanting to do musical theater and my mom's just kind of like, what? And I I, I remember... To no fault of their own, they would tell me, like, no, you're not really interested in that. Um, And it had me second guessing some of the things that I like to do. And it's really to, to to no fault of their own. It was more of them trying to guide me in in the same ways in which they have been guided. Mm -hmm. So it's not until you can get outside of that bubble that you can truly experience and explore those interests that you may have. 
it's a stepping out, not only potentially from your family bubble, but from your geographical bubble and maybe putting yourself somewhere else to have the opportunities and access to things that might not be accessible to you in the place where you grew up. Exactly. Access is a a key element to that. Megan talks about her mom having hella degrees and she realized that not only did pursuing letters after her name not suit her, but her career didn't require to pursue that level of education. That's something that I personally also feel greatly benefited me in terms of financial outcomes post-college, as well as within my industry, because my career also did not require me to have a master's degree or something that pushed me to have letters after my name. Though it was common that people in the design industry did end up going to school to at least get a master's. But I've not seen actually a big difference in the way that people are paid or move up in the ladder, actually, based on your level of education within the industry. If you are just wanting to work in the industry, I haven't seen that your education really gets you much further than having a lot of experience or the type of personality that works with the other people in your office. How does that relate to your current profession? I am a healthcare systems educator for a hospital organization in the Midwest. And so what I do is I teach people how to use our record-keeping system for the hospital. So for my position, I was actually overqualified for my position. I have a bachelor's degree, and you only need an associate's degree in order to sit in this role. However, there are so many soft skills that I can still learn despite the fact that I have higher education. And to be honest, most of the people that work there, I can learn something from. And so I've deviated away from this idea that I have to have letters after my name in order to develop in the way that I want to. A lot of people think that they, in this day and age, still need that flex in that credential and it's just becoming like pretentious bullshit at this point (laughs) like nobody needs that like no no there's so much free access to education and like by no means I think are either of us saying that people shouldn't pursue going to colleges or universities or anything like that but you should be sure that you want to to get that higher level of education and first pursue that interest on your own and if you can't push yourself to do a free class, then it's probably not something that you're truly and deeply interested in. And you might want to reflect about the reasons that you're trying to convince yourself that this is a good direction to go. Okay. So Sarah, how do you determine the difference between a hobby and career? And like, how do you know the difference? The clarifying thing between a hobby and a career was finding that balance between the things that you're interested in and knowing that if you're interested in doing something, do you want the freedom to do it when you want to do it and how you want to do it? Or do you need to be pushed to do that thing? That is a hobby. It can turn into a career 
but that is a long road ahead. A career couples that balance of things that interest you, but you won't get mad at yourself for for choosing that path and feeling like the thing that you love is destroyed because you're now participating in that action on a daily basis and being told by other people that you have to do it and you have to do it a certain way. Careers offer that balance of using your talents and learning new skills and developing them into something more. And hobbies allow that freedom for you to do the things that you enjoy when and how you want to do them. How will you wake up differently tomorrow? The thing that I loved about interviewing Megan is how unapologetic she is about her choice in her career. As I have a tendency to try to assimilate, to tone down my voice, to change who I am in order to fit the environment. What I love about Megan, and I feel like I'm getting a little emotional about this, is how she is going out of her way and making it her mission to change the landscape of this career field so that more people like her, more people who are a member of marginalized groups, she is trying to create an environment and a space where everyone feels comfortable pursuing this wonderful field that she's in. and. The way in which I will wake up differently tomorrow is recognizing and owning the fact that in a lot of these rooms, I'm the only Black woman. And I have a voice. I have a voice that will resonate with a lot of people. And I can't just be in the background hiding away. I have to be out there showing my face, encouraging people to pursue a career in whatever their interests may be, I need to show up for my community. And I also need to just, I need to represent all aspects of myself, not just the ones that are acceptable or tolerable by the other people in the room. After listening to this interview, how will you wake up differently tomorrow? When Megan actually talked about her mom <laughs> having hella degrees, that really resonated with me because it seemed like Megan was so confident in her understanding that she didn't need to pursue something more than her interest. Like she, she pursued the level of education that she needed to have the job that she has. And she is not boastful about that. She's confident in where she's landed. And she's doing really wonderful things with where she's landed. So the thing that for me that I'll take away from that notion that that Megan brought to the table is that I think there's still aspects of, of what I'm doing in my personal life in which I'm pursuing things that are actually beyond what I need to pursue. Tomorrow I will wake up being a bit more humbled because I don't need to try to to prove anything to anyone else other than myself. And I don't even need to prove anything to myself. I just need to move forward and, and do things that are in line with my interests and just participate in the enjoyment of those interests. Someone's opinion and interpretation of you that you won't be successful because 
you didn't pursue that level of education, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Their opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> like you can, you can get there. You cannot. It's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so empowering. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. <laughs> <laughs> Waking Up With Millennials wants to thank Megan Gunn for joining us on our episode today. You can catch up with Megan at thefamiliarfacesproject.org. That's thefamiliarfacesproject.org. On this website, Megan links to different local programs that cater to minority communities. You can also follow Megan on Instagram at The Familiar Faces Project and also on Twitter at underscore TFFP. That's at underscore TFFP. Join us every other week for new episodes and insights. In the meantime, check out our blog or contribute to support our mission at liveinthemomentum.com. Special thanks to Eric Heibretter for our theme song and audio production. If you feel like you have a story to share, reach us at info at liveinthemomentum.com. <laughs>